and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions available for paid subscribers. I just wrote a column this morning, just kind of laying out where the Blazers stand a week before the trade deadline. We're recording this on Thursday morning, February 2nd. We are almost exactly seven days, like I think seven days and two hours from the trade deadline. So... There's going to be a lot of stuff happening, I don't want to say in the next week, but probably two days and one day before the deadline. You never really see stuff happen this early. The Rui Hachimura thing was kind of an outlier of a couple weeks ago, but uh, there's still a lot of kind of lead-up type of stuff going on right now to the trade deadline, so we're covering a lot of that stuff on the website, and on the podcast, I think, going forward. This is Eric Eric Gunderson's back on. You guys know him. Like, I don't need to do a big intro. But, you know, we get into the Blazers' big win last night in Memphis. We get into kind of where the team's at right now. We get into some trade deadline stuff. We go into some other directions. You guys know how it is when the two of us just get going. So it's just, it's just one of those that's kind of all over the place. But I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But as always, the podcast you can get on YouTube. If, even if you aren't watching on YouTube, go subscribe because that helps me, but then you can also get it on the Odyssey app, because we're part of the Odyssey family, and then you can get it on Apple, Spotify, all the usual places, so let's just get to Eric now. So, Eric, we had already planned to record today anyway, recording this on a Thursday morning, but that was a hell of a game to record after, I suppose. That's probably good timing. Yeah, yeah, um... The vibes have not been this good in a long time, for the for the for the for the online fan base at the very least, uh, <laughs> for 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 the fans online. I can't I can't speak to what the vibes are with the team because I don't I'm not on the team. Yeah, I'm but, not with I'm not in Memphis but, right now. So but but, but I, I would I, imagine they're better now than they've been in a little bit, except for Jeremy, who is maybe concussed. Well, I don't know if you saw Casey's tweet last night that. Uh, he said after the game that he is not in the concussion protocol. Okay. So I suppose that just means they held him out last night just to be safe. I guess we'll probably find a little bit more out about that uh, this afternoon when the injury report comes out for their game tomorrow in Washington, whether he's listed as questionable or is he even on the injury report. I would imagine... I mean, if we're just going to get right to the injury stuff and we're going to get, and I guess with that, we'll get to the trade deadline stuff and then we can, we can just go in whatever direction you got, you, you, you know, us, you know, the vibes, we'll just go wherever. But, uh, yeah. but, uh, another tweet that Casey had last night, I believe he was the oh, Casey hold all, obviously, I believe he was the only reporter covering the team who was actually there in Memphis last night, but he had a tweet after Nurkic re-aggravated, uh, the calf that 
caused him to miss a game last week. He missed the Toronto game. He got hurt in the, what was the game before that? Utah? Yeah, Utah. Mm-hmm. And then he missed the Toronto game, played in the Atlanta game, and then he went out after like two minutes last night in Memphis. And Casey said that he left the arena in a boot. That's not good. So I am, okay, we are, again, we're recording this on Thursday morning, February 2nd. The trade deadline is in one week from today. One week and two and a half hours. Yes. I wonder if Nurkic has played his last game as a Portland Trailblazer. I mean, you'd think, I mean, if he if he's hurt for a while and then yes, I, I think there's a very good chance that that's the case. And that's, you know, it's a bummer. Obviously he, every, everyone, that's the one thing that, you know, everyone wants to play normally. And yeah. And I think, and I think like he's pretty much everyone on the team has been pretty good about, you know, still everyone's doing their job and showing up and, and wanting to play. Mm-hmm. But it, look, I mean, it's, it has to get to him at a certain point. I mean, like, like, and I understand if it, if it is, or if it has, cause I mean, the other night when he we were at the game, we were at the Atlanta game, and he got subbed out. Like the fans don't react anymore when he gets subbed out. Like it's like, oh, you mean when the when the when Mark says the name of the player that's getting pulled and they cheer yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, and that usually happens for pretty much everybody, and it doesn't really happen for Nurk anymore. And so, like, it does feel like the fans feel like they're ready to. You know, mm-hmm. via con Dios to Nurk, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, but it, it seems like that is kind of where we're at. But at the same time, you know, uh, it could impact someone maybe trading for him if he if he's hurt for a little bit. I don't. So I don't think that if if it was like a season-ending injury, which I don't think it is, then that would impact it. But I think that that would be especially with, you know, how much time he has left on his contract. I think, you know, the t- the types of teams that I've heard are interested in trading for him. It's not that long of a list. I've heard Toronto. I've heard Charlotte. There's a couple of others I'm forgetting. But those are not exactly teams that are, like, contending for a championship this year. No. So it wouldn't be if, – if you're trading for Nurkic, it's not to make a playoff run this year. It's to – have a serviceable starting center under contract for the next few years at, at, at a certain number. Yeah. Well, would be the see, idea. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, and, and I get where the frustration has come. I do think that because of the number that he's at, mm-hmm. even though he, you know, he's got his, his, you know, his warts it, as a player, it's still like compared to a lot of guys, like you're hearing Jakob Pertle getting 20 something, or maybe more, you know, you're here, you know, you see DeAndre Ayton makes 30 million. Like what, I mean, maybe for certain teams, the, the difference is maybe not that different between DeAndre Ayton and Nurkic. I mean, I think I would rather have Ayton, but. Oh I, God, yes, you would. But, 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 but I think that for other teams, especially for instance, Toronto, Mm-hmm. There's they have a, no centers on the roster. They have, right there's now. no centers on the roster, but what they do have is a bunch of rangy wings that can take and and help some of Nurkic's weaknesses with mobility and scheme flexibility. 
that you can do that with a bunch of dudes that are six nine rangy wings that Portland doesn't have. And and the Portland roster puts Nurkic in some situations that is that he has to cover up for. If you're another team like a Toronto, like a Charlotte, that you think you have more athletic dudes around him to help cover up for his lack of like lateral quickness, then you can convince yourself, hey, like he could be a rim protector for us with all this with some extra defensive help that he doesn't really get here in Portland because of the way the team is structured. Yeah, I I think that that would be kind of the logic of it. I it just it's you, you've seen you've seen a couple of times in the last few weeks he didn't he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter of the Laker game and it wasn't foul trouble. He had four fouls in that game, but like you know, you're still going to, especially in a game that, you know, you were up 25 and then you're, you know, trying to hold off a team that's coming back from down 25. If your starting center was playable, even with four fouls, you would have him in there. And Chauncey didn't play him at all in the fourth quarter of the Laker game. And then the other night in the win against Atlanta, he came in in the final eight seconds of the fourth quarter for rebounding purposes on a free throw. But otherwise, Chauncey closed with Eubanks. And it seems like Chauncey, like, and I mean, this is not even a takeaway from Eubanks because Eubanks has, you know, obviously Eubanks is not a starting center. He's probably not even a number two center on a good team. But he, you know, for what he is and what they're paying him and what they're asking him to do, he's played pretty well for the most part this season and done his job. But you still don't want to hear about your starting center who they just paid $70 million getting benched for a veteran minimum guy. No, you don't. And and I think it goes to something though that I mean, it's happened across the league. So it where Portland sits in the league isn't like gr- that far removed from where they were during the Terry Stotts era in terms of pace, but right. They pl- the whole league plays faster, so the Blazers play faster as a result, but it does seem like when they have Eubanks in there as a rim running get up the floor type guy, that they have there's a lot more chaos that they can create where Dane can get loose like and where Gary or not Gary Gary Payton too excuse me Gary Payton too there's there's multiple players on the Blazers in recent years named Gary whose dad's also played in the league I understand the yeah you're right exactly so but GP2 last night I mean him and Eubanks together the the Beavs Shout out to the Beavs. Uh, we're ducks, so we don't actually shout them out. But we'll just shout. We'll, we'll shout them out because they 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 did do something. Sure. Yes. So, but but anyway. But when Eubanks is out there and they play with more pace, or even when they were going with Winslow at center earlier in the year, I do think that that's an unexplored part of the Dame experience that the Blazers have not really dug their teeth into quite yet. Like. And they're doing more of it, and and Eubanks is kind of getting them there. But I do think that that is maybe more what they're looking for in terms of like the next center is someone that can that is cool playing that type of up and down pace that can help them and help Dame really, you know, take advantage of some chaotic situations in transition that just really hasn't been Portland's mo a lot of the time that Dame has been here because their half court offense for the long time was so good that it was that was kind of their bread and butter. You want to talk about Dame? We should probably talk about Dame. 
<laughs> yes, we should talk about Dame. 40 again. I think he's averaging 40 over the last 10 or something. Um, he's playing. I mean, it, is this the best stretch of his entire career? It's got it's it's up there. For I think sure. it might be. I think it might be. I mean, I mean the 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 combination, and when we were talking to coaches, like I remember we were talking to Nick Nurse, and I was I was I was at the Atlanta and the Toronto game, and Nurse was just really raving about how his speed right now and the way he's getting downhill and getting to the basket. And I mean, Nurse said he's playing as well as he's ever played, and like. You know, Nurse is like a really great defensive coach. So, like, that's what he's sinking his teeth into. How the hell do I stop this guy? And basically, his answer was like, "You can't really do that right now." And it, and, and that's how great he's been. I mean, it's unstoppable at this moment. And so, the thing about this that's jumped like it's felt, and this is a word I've used a little bit of to describe it before. It's felt kind of quiet, and I don't mean that in any kind of negative way, but. I guess, I mean, obviously last night he kind of took over at the end against Memphis and hit a couple of shots to, to bring it home and to, you know, have him come back. But for the most part, like, the other night in the uh, Atlanta game, I was sitting next to Meringue on Media Row, and we look up at the, you know, he hits a shot in, like, the third quarter. We look up at the scoreboard, and it says he has 31. And we're looking at each other like, wait, when did Dame get 31? It doesn't feel like he's just, you know, taking over and going off. Even even the 60-point game against Utah, we uh, looked, you know, we, we looked at each other like, like, what? Like, he has he has 40 points through, you know, half of the third quarter? Like, what, like it, it, it he's, it, I think part of it is that he's attacking and getting to the rim, and he isn't just, like, hitting these, like, haymaker three-pointers that like get the refs are rewarding the refs are rewarding him for going to the rim by giving him some more calls and sending him the line more like i think but here's the the thing 17 15 free throws a game is because he's getting to the rack but here's the thing in the 60 point game he didn't even he only had like 12 three throw attempts in that game it wasn't even like he was just you know grifting like that entire game he maybe a little bit more so the, the last couple of games but it just hasn't felt like like it's felt like and you know the word he used after the 60 point game was simple where he's just kind of taking what the defense gives him and making the making plays and doing different stuff and isn't just like going across half court and pulling up from three and he's hitting you know every single one of these shots and that's why he's scoring forty points all the time over this stretch. That kind of was what it felt like when he's had these other stretches. Remember he had this. That one was in- like the bubble. That like the bubble day was like Dame is like going. He's just jacking the shot right. as soon as he or gets across half the court. one and it was the, like the one in 2020 right before COVID hit remember when he was scoring 50 points for like a week mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah those felt more just like i got a will i'm doing everything i gotta do it myself and like it does feel like he's just taking opportunities within the offense within like actual design sets and like yes there's still the i will cross half court and shoot it as soon as I get across, but it's more, he's, he's also managing the game and getting shots for other guys, setting other guys up to, for looks. Uh, He's just doing everything really for the team. And he's doing it in a way that just seems it's so, so in control at all times. And he's just in a crate in a wild zone right now. The, I think a great Testament to that was his post-game interview with Brooke last night where she asked him about the seven point play and yeah, he I saw even, this and yeah. he didn't he didn't even realize he did it like he's he's just so in the zone right now that he's just like just 
doing what he has to do to get people involved and get the win and have them playing together that he doesn't even know sometimes when he's doing some of these amazing things. Like he, the 60 point game when y'all told him at the Utah game and he's like, Oh wow. Really? Like I had the most efficient 60 point game of all time. I I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. And he's just doing things right now. And he's not even like, that's just, he's just in his zone right now. His focus is just like, it's, it's something special right now. And it's even for him who has had these great stretches before, it's better than he's ever been. And that's what's, I mean, it's, it's really fun. I think if you're a Blazer fan thinking about, well, if they can get, if they can make a move here at the trade deadline about this getting more interesting around game because of how great he's playing and how well he's getting everybody involved. And, and, and I just think he's making everybody better as well. And that's just, that's something about his game that I don't think gets a lot of credit um, because of just how many points he scores. But I do think that the way he's willing the team to play well as well is, is, is something that I think should be talked about in addition to his scoring. Have you ever seen a seven-point possession before? No. Because that was a pretty insane sequence. Hits a three, gets fouled, the foul gets upgraded to a flagrant. He hits the free throw, they get it again, and he hits another three. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was I mean, it was 60 to 67, on that and then it was 67 the game immediately at 67 like it was crazy uh it was it was just one of those nights and uh dame was amazing uh and he's been amazing and i think that you know i think the mvp right now it seems like the national conversation is zeroed in like it was last year on Embiid and Jokic. uh but look if dame keeps playing this way and the blazers are able to string some wins together for a couple of weeks on top of what they've done so far, and they get into that top tier of the West, he can play his way into some votes. I think the highest he's ever finished is fourth. Yeah. The, so, year, the year he was first team all NBA in 1819. So I, I, I think that he has a real good opportunity to be on the ballot again. And I, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see what the rest of the season holds here. I think, I think Jokic and Embiid though, are probably just going to, they have so much, uh, it seems like there's, and also last year's conversation, I think plays a part in the conversation for this year. Uh, I just I think, think Giannis, the narrative there is, is, I think the narrative and Embiid having that huge game on the Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, ABC game, like that stuff matters. And I think ultimately like those two guys have run away with it, but I do think Dame, Dame is in that conversation as well uh, for, for MVP. He should well, we'll, be, at least. Well, we'll see how the rest of the season goes with some of the other guys that have been in. Because like, I think Giannis is still going to be in there for a lot of people. I think Luka is still going to be in there for a lot of people. I think Tatum is still going to be in there for a lot of people because the Celtics are still where they are in the standings. I think, I mean, KD was right in there until he got hurt. I think he had a lot. But I don't know. I, 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 I hear you. I think that with the way he's been playing over the last two weeks, Dame should you know be in that mix but i don't know how likely it is that he's going to be able to come on this late and actually get the type of you know talk in this thing because i i i don't know i'm i'm i keep saying this whenever this kind of stuff comes up i am so glad that i am not a voter so i don't actually have to be the one to make these decisions and i can just like watch the world burn around me uh, right. And, and yeah. And then also you get, you know, you're going to get killed and every fan base is going to scrutinize your votes. Uh, and I, I had mean, a, fr- I had a friend who covers another team who was voting for 
the all-star starters for the first time this season text me to ask who I was voting for. And I told her, Hey, that's all you. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a vote. I don't, I didn't vote for anybody. Right. Exactly. And I was like, cool, cool. You, you can, you can decide between Embiid, Tatum, Giannis and KD and get killed by Sixers fans. If you leave Embiid off or Celtics fans, if you leave Tatum, you, you go ahead and do that. I'm good. Right. Or, or like, and and to your point, like, yeah, exactly. Or, or like Durant, like, I mean, Durant getting left off. Durant was the guy that everyone was like, well, they got to leave him off because he's hurt. But it's also like, Durant is the reason why the Nets have the record that they have uh-huh. and and went on the run that they did in the first place. So and and I mean the Nets are fourth still even though KD hasn't played for almost a month. So and I think that's all KD and and, and Did you see what happened to them in Boston last night? <laughs> oh my god. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the score uh cuz I was watching the Blazers Yeah, I was I didn't really see much of it either, but they were down they was 30 it was 46 to 16 at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> well, and I think too, look, the, the Nets have done a great job, but and and I think they, I just don't think they're better than Boston. As much as I no. like, as much as I like what the Nets have done, and I think Claxton is an underrated. I think he's a DPOY. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that put him in the Defensive Player of the Year category, uh, and he's been great. I mean, I think he's shooting like seventy percent or something at this the season, rim, yeah, or period. No, like his field goal percentage is like, yeah, but it's like all at the rim, of course. But like, if that's yeah. all your shots, like, yeah, that that's still like. I, I agree with you, but like it's it, he's getting them because like there's so much attention around Kyrie and KD. But the other guys they have, Seth Curry, TJ Warren. TJ Warren is a nice piece. I mean, they, 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 that was a nice get for them. And I think Joe Harris seems to be playing well again. Utah Watanabe, who was on the Raptors last year and didn't really crack the rotation in Toronto, has become a huge piece for them. He killed uh, the Blazers in the game here earlier this season. Yes, he did. Yeah, he. I think he went like six for six or something from three. Like his three pointer is like really good right now, and is far above his career numbers at this at this point in the season. So, and Royce O'Neal also, I think, was a nice yeah. like role player type player that they have that hits big shots for them, defends usually the number one guy on the opposing team from a perimeter standpoint. So, but I think KD, that's KD's team, um, and that's why he should be an All Star in my opinion. But. Uh, I, I think with the Blazers back to back to the Blazers a little bit. Um, we saw no Jeremy last night, and I, I think because we saw we didn't they didn't have Jeremy, we saw a lot more GP two. But it did seem like after that game, to me, my main takeaway is like, how the hell you got to get this guy more minutes? Like you cannot have more like like the the regular game for Jeremy for Gary Payton two lately has been like. 14 minutes, 13 and a half minutes last night. I know he's been on, I know he's been on a minutes restriction, but playing 26 minutes last night makes me think that that uh, restriction is more like a guideline. That's the thing I have heard that he is still on some sort of, I think, I think guideline is probably a better way of putting it. I, I think he will play more minutes starting in about a week, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that was just the one thing that I took away from that game is like, man, like, just the things that he does that also, like, it's so cliche, but they don't show up on the stat sheet. Like, Dame's three, to put them up by four, 
Gary was sitting there waiting to set the pick and he didn't set it until the exact moment that Dane made the cut and he makes the cut. Then the, I think Eubanks had the ball and makes the pass to Dane who's open off of the screen, which also GP two sets like real screens. And like most guards don't do that. And he said it and Dane got open and the three and the dagger. And it was like, and to me, and after that, the Blazers did not look back. And like that play, there was another play in the Toronto game where they're in transition and they're losing. Like they, no one knows what they're doing. And I think it was Nas had the ball and Gary or it was Nas or Shaden. I can't remember. And Gary's like sees Jeremy in the corner and he like yells at whoever has the ball, like throw it to Jeremy. And Jeremy gets an easy dunk out of it. And just like the basketball IQ that he has and the way to like, not only call out things on defense, but he just calls out things. He sees things on both ends before they happen. Uh, and I mean, for a team like the Blazers, I mean, they've had so many turnovers this year. They've had so many taking care of, like they have so much trouble taking care of the ball. Like it's just so refreshing to see someone like Gary, like use the chaotic things to the Blazers advantage. Whereas when most of the season, like when they get in those chaotic scenarios, they, it hasn't gone well. Yeah, and I actually think the turnovers have been better lately. Like they've yes. been, they had, they only had eight in the uh, Atlanta game. They had a little bit more than that last night, but I, I think a lot of that can be attributed to Gary Payton just kind of settling. Not, I don't want to say settling things down because he's such a chaotic player, but like having him out there calling things out, I think has contributed to it. I do think he's he's. He is. He brings a sense of control within the chaos, like like, like, like I, to me, and, and and I think that is something that they didn't have earlier in the season. And last night, I mean, Memphis is like they are team chaos. They love to force turnovers. They yeah. love to get offensive rebounds. They do a lot of the things that the Blazers have been bad at this season. And last night, they the Blazers were able to be the better team in that with those scramble scenarios and keep their head. And obviously Dame is a big reason why they are also able to keep their cool in these situations. But uh, just the impact that Gary Payton too had last night on the game was a huge takeaway. And obviously Eubanks w- was phenomenal blocking shots, dunking, making the right dunking passes. over Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Dunking over Jaron Jackson. Did the gambling, did Eric's gambling corner have anything on Jaron Jackson defensive player of the year? Were you affected at all by, Oh no, I actually, the so whole I, thing? well, I was, I wouldn't say I was affected. I did think I thought during the week, because I was listening to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast and they were talking about award props. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking after listening to that, I was thinking about playing bam just because the heat are seemed like they're turning it around a little bit. Like they're doing that thing that Spolster does in the dog days of the season where all of a sudden they just kind of figure out how to win again and and they just start stacking wins like they beat Cleveland the other night. But this is before that. I was thinking, hey, you know, they're kind of turning around. If they turn around and, and finish with a high defensive rating, you know, Bam, been in the league a little bit longer, has a little bit better of a resume as a player overall than Jaron Jackson Jr. I could see the voters – based on like where bam sits in like the overall pecking order seeing them take bam over him and then the jared jackson jr reddit thing goes live and then 
Bam's odds went from 12 plus 1200 to like plus 400. <laughs> so like it became like it was like a th- it was like a it was it was the the it was one third of what the value was last week. So it didn't affect it. It affected me in this way that I thought about taking a flyer on it. And now I'm definitely not taking a flyer on it because I don't think it's like this. The value is not there for me. But if it was still 12 to one, yeah, I'd consider it. But the the Jaron Jackson thing was I mean, I thought it was funny. And I will say the one everyone was talking about whether it's a big deal or not. And I think maybe the only thing that we can take away from it is how powerful NBA Reddit is as a, as a thing that gets people talking and about certain topics, because it feels like that drove the conversation towards that and the Jaron Jackson thing. And the and league had to like dro- put out a statement about how they keep stats and how they audit that. And because I, of a I mean, Reddit post. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would love, I, I don't think I, I would, I would, I would kill to see what the transaction wire was in the like 12 hours after that post happened of people being like oh Fantasy. shit well, then well no on 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 uh on on the the line because the oh. line the line went it was like a six hour like it just completely flipped in like six hours and then like caesars took it off the board so like i mean this is stuff the nba doesn't probably doesn't want us to know but i would love to see how much money was put towards claxton and bam in the immediate <laughs> aftermath of that post because it got a lot of people that may not check the box score or don't check like defensive field goal percentage at the rim, which is like where Jaron Jackson shines. Like people don't check those stats to when they're thinking about who they're going to bet on for DPOI. Like the only people that check those stats are people like us and people that work in the analytics for basketball teams. That's it. Like, I hate to break it to our, our friends in the analytics community, but we are the only we are the only community for those stats. Nobody else gives a shit about those. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry for my cursing. Yeah. But, like, but like but like that's why it was a big deal. It was a big deal because most people don't really care about defensive field goal percentage at the rim. It, we I would it would be a better conversation about basketball if they did, but they don't. And that's just like that's why the Jaron Jackson thing was a big deal, I think. And it was a big deal. And I think the people that were like Eh, it's not it's I, I think it mattered and i and i think it was very an interesting thing about how also it's a, a test case about how everyone consumes sports now one of the few good i've said this before one of the few good things about the nba and all the sports leagues getting in bed with these gambling companies is they have to be super transparent about this kind of stuff not just like stat keeping because it's kind of even even besides like the end of season award stuff like if you have like a jaron jackson over under blocks in a game prop that that like this could affect that or you know not even just that but like injury reporting stuff they have to be they have to be you know transparent about that kind of stuff the the miami heat got fined because they're not do we know what they got fined for specifically but I, it was, it was, I think it was for the roster that they, they didn't, I don't think they said specifically, but it was like the roster. I'm going to look it up right now. Actually, let, 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 let's because, do, I'm going to look up the Miami Heat fine right now. Because I don't think the Thunder got fined for what they did two games in a row against Portland. Remember they had Shea Gildress Alexander listed out. And then the morning of they upgraded him and said he was available. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. The Heat were fined on 
Saturday, last this past Saturday, the 28th, the NBA announced the Heat have been fined $25,000 for failing to comply with the league's injury policy. So Heat culture does not – so maybe for, for, for my fellow gamblers out there, maybe don't bet on Heat games because <laughs> uh, you probably won't have a clear idea of what they're doing. But I think – it, to your point, though, it, it's it's a thing that they're trying to be transparent about, but this is the problem. And this is one of the problems that the NBA has across the board as a business. The basketball priorities of those teams diverge with the priorities of the league to be in bed with the gambling companies. The teams don't want to give their opponent a competitive advantage by if they, the Heat don't want to say Jimmy Butler's not going to play tonight, you know, seven hours before the game, because in the coach can adjust the game plan to be like, actually, we're going to focus on Tyler Hero and Bam tonight, and we can adjust our game plan accordingly. Like, so it's, it's, it's again, just like the, the load management stuff, it's the competitive, te- the team's competitive advantage where they think they have a competitive advantage, it goes against the league's, like, business priorities to grow the game or to make money with their business partners like DraftKings and all of them who – you know, we're getting same game parlays from Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> right. Uh, have fun. We, have fun trailing that. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. This is this is. Ha- I I would imagine that's something that you're that you're not doing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trailing Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> so, what do we think is going to happen next week at the deadline? I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say Josh Hart is probably going to get moved. I think it's more likely than it's ever been that Nurk is going to get moved. I don't I, know where. I don't know for who. Right. I, I They're looking at a lot of stuff from what I understand right now. Right. And Hart, I think Hart has a great deal of interest from a lot of teams, particularly in the Eastern Conference, that are consider themselves playoff teams and think that they want to, you know, maybe win a round in the playoffs or, or two or three. I mean, I, I think uh, the low post, they talked about how much the heat like Josh Hart. Um, I have heard the Cavs are very into Josh yeah. Hart. Um, and then there's been a lot of Knicks rumors about Josh Hart because he played with Jalen Brunson. He is also a, a kind of player that they like that Tibbs would really love. I'm sure as just like a gritty guard. Uh, but also I just think he might be a better fit and is, is the type of guy that maybe doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to shoot around the Barretts and Randalls and Brunsons of the world. Like, so I could see that fit there as well. And uh, as far as Nurk, I mean, yeah, I think, I think he definitely be on the move as well. And I think we talked about Toronto, you talked about Charlotte. I think there's, there's teams that could, that do I think see him as a potential center for the next couple of seasons for their group that are probably in different places than where Portland is at with Dame, where it's like the Blazers, you know, Dame is at the peak of his powers right now. Like you got to do, and, and, and it's, we've seen kind of the, the NERC experience with this group and it's, it's, it, you know, it's been seven years now. I don't think think it's tenable. I think I don't think it is either. And to your point, Chauncey is no longer even playing him in the fourth quarter. Like, uh, so I, I yes, I, I think Nurk and uh, Hart are both on the move. I, I think ultimately is what happens uh, at the deadline is is those two and and maybe 
some other pieces as well. But I'm I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant. I'm, he- I'm hesitant to say. I, I mean, one one guy, and it's it's just kind of been his lot in the league is Justice Winslow. Yeah, that was um, who I was going to say. There's so there's two. There's two. Justice is one because kind of like Hart, he's up this summer, and they're going to have to decide if they're going to be able to re-sign him. And they only have his early bird rights, so another team could come in higher, and they would just be out of luck on signing him. But so I could see that being somebody that they move and then the other one that i think probably out after those three i think the other one that's probably more the most likely to be moved i and obviously not as like the focal point of a trade but as something that maybe as a throw-in kind of like he was when he got here in that same trade with justice winslow is uh keon johnson just because they don't have any spots for him in the rotation because they I mean when you look at like what their guard rotation is it's dame ant gp2 and shaden there's four guys ahead of him in the rotation and he's still kind of viewed as like a young player with upside that other teams might still be interested in taking a flyer on and honestly for i mean him, I, think, I, I think portland did a, honestly i think portland boosted his value yeah since the because when he was thrown in the clippers trade like he was kind of just thrown in there and I feel like he had a great summer league and he's had some good stints coming yeah. off the bench for the Blazers when there have been injuries. And, but yes, to your point, like Shaden's going to get minutes. And, and in fact, like, I mean, I, I, we've talked about it and Chauncey's talked about it, like the mistakes he has sometimes, but he's also not, he, it seems like he's making fewer of those. He's mistakes. been better the last week than I think he's been the rest this whole season. Yeah, I think he's been, and I think offensively he's been a little bit more assertive. Like he's like not just like like he's kind of realizing like when he's out there on the second unit, like you kind of are one of the guys that that should be taking shots. Like you should be if someone plays off of you on a pick and roll. Like he had one against Atlanta that rimmed out, but like step into pull up, shoot a pull up, pull up three. Like you don't just have to be a three and D cutter guy like when he's out there with with the second unit and i think yeah it it sucks for keon yeah like that keon can't get out there but it's like i also they're not making the wrong call by playing shaden over him i mean it does suck for him but also like that's also kind of why like just for i i I know keon a little bit i like him a lot as a guy i think he's a really good guy i would like for him to get to a situation where he's going to actually be able to play yes so there's that part of it too Totally. And I, 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 and I, yeah, exactly. For, for him to get to show like what he can do, you know, cause he's, you know, I think he's like, this is his second season, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's opportunity to kind of show what you can do before the end of your rookie contract and maybe convince someone to give you a, a good amount of money. And he, I mean, and one of the things he's a guard, but I mean, he's super athletic. I think he has the record for the, in the combine for the highest vertical leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of people that are enticed by that kind of profile. And again, I think he's shown more and played more at the NBA level this season to maybe entice a team. Whereas like Portland, I felt like he was the the Clippers kind of just threw him in there. What do we think about, and I'm me personally, I'm kind of happy about this because it just means I don't have to actually cover that event on the Friday night of, of all-star weekend in Salt Lake city. I thought it was a little bit weird that Shaden wasn't invited to rising stars. Super weird. Especially cause he's already going to be in Salt Lake doing the dunk contest. Look, I mean, 
I don't think he, and I, like, I, I was like trying to go, oh, like maybe it's a good thing. It's like, actually, it's not a good thing. It's a good like, thing for me. It's a good it's thing. It's a good for, thing for you. It's not a good thing for Less work for me I, that In week. my opinion. Like, I think that's whack. And um, <laughs> it's also whack that the NBA is using the Rising Stars game to promote Mac McClung and Scottie Pippen Jr. Hey, Mac like, McClung's in the dunk contest too. I know. See, but this is what I'm saying. Like, this is such like I'm sorry like who's like Mac McClung was like famous for going viral in like 2018 and like I just don't understand the the impetus to put him in the dunk contest slash I mean maybe because the dunk contest I can kind of get because I would imagine maybe like might have been hard to get some NBA guys to do it like but the Rising Stars game like putting actual G League players in the game ahead of people like Shaden, who is a rotation player in the NBA and is also one of the most exciting young players in the league. Like, I get it for the Scoot Henderson factor. Like, if they would have just made an exception for Scoot, I would have been fine with it. But the but putting Mac McClung and Scottie Pippen Jr., who's on a two-way contract, in there, like, this is whack to me. And it's like, it... It doesn't make it, it seems like it's pandering too much to like overtime and ball is life and like all these like online basketball community swish cultures. Like it just feels like it's pandering to all those constituencies more than like I don't know, trying to promote the NBA. Which I think part of it is their also job. part of it I think is also that they're trying to make the G League into like a thing that fans care about. And it's just not going to be that. No. Like, they're trying so hard to do that. And, like, I think the G League is super valuable and super important to teams for player development. But you're not going to make that into a thing that casual... Like, like, like baseball fans, and I know baseball is, like, a different sport. And it's a different fan base and stuff. But, and, like... And there's like, so many more players. Well, right. But like, and like, but, like, baseball fans, if you're, like, a hardcore fan of a team... You can, you pay attention to the minor leagues and like the farm system of your team. You're not like, oh, I'm gonna watch the G League and follow the G League, and I want to see a bunch of G Leaguers in the NBA All Star Game, or you're, I want to see a bunch of minor league baseball players in the baseball like All Star Game. Like, no, like that's not no, no. And like, I get it. Like, and there's always those you know those stories that like they'll do like this guy was playing in the minors for 17 years, and they finally called him up to the big club. Like Andre Ingram. I, with the Lakers uh, yeah, a couple yeah, of years they, ago. Exa- oh, that's right. They did that with Andre Ingram. I forgot about that. He was you like know, 30. He was like 36, and he finally, like, the last, it was like, I think it was the year, it was the first year that LeBron was on the Lakers, but he was shut down for the year with the groin thing, and they weren't going to make the playoffs. And they called Andre Ingram up, and it was like a whole feel-good story. Yeah, I, think he's, right. I think he's still grinding in the G League, by the way. He's like 40. I think he's still playing. So yeah, see, like, th- those are great, like, I guess, like, PR stories, but those don't happen very often, and... I'm not even mad at putting Mac McClung in the dunk contest. No, I'm not, but the Rising Stars game doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I think Mac McClung in the dunk contest makes sense because I don't think guy, I don't think that many guys want to do it anymore. Like, Shaden's like, got that, by the way. Oh. Like, so the, I think the field... I don't think it's been officially announced, announced yet, but, like, the field is set. I think it's Shaden, it's Mac McClung... It's Kenyon Martin Jr. and it's Trey Murphy from the Pelicans. 
I think Shaden's got that. <laughs> I, I think Shaden's got that too in terms of like his like I Trey Murphy does have bounces, so does KJ Martin. But Shaden does stuff that like there, that in, in the Atlanta game there was that lob that uh, and he missed the dunk, but there was that oh lob God. that uh, Gary Payton threw to him. It was like one of the worst lob passes I've ever seen. It was way too low. Shaden caught it and he tried to windmill and he missed the dunk, but like that was like even his misses are like the most incredible things I've ever seen. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, it's like, he was doing, like, the windmill that, like, you know, like, we do with, like, the trash can. Right. But, like, but like with a actual hoop and an actual ball. And and he wasn't yeah, doing it, like, just to be showy. He was doing it because... It was he, the only be- way he could complete the play. Like, it, like, oh, my God. Yeah, people were, like, so stupid of him to try that. I got a few of those like, replies, yeah. Did you see yeah. the pass? Like, he didn't have a choice. Like, there was no... There was no other... Other smarter way to try to complete the play, and so, uh, and and look, and and we won't, and it, don't worry, like, don't worry about your kid learning bad fundamentals because your kid probably can't jump like Shaden Sharp. So, <laughs> so, 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 if, if that's your excuse too, like, don't don't worry about it. That's not your problem. Uh, I we uh, a few weeks ago when when Shaden was first reported and confirmed to be in the dunk contest. We asked Ant about it, like what piece of advice that he had for Shaden. And he said the number one, and I agree with this, and I've been on this forever. The number one piece of advice for the dunk contest is make all of your dunks on the first attempt. Yes. That is like half the battle. Because if you miss the, even if it's not like a, remember Birdman's dunk contest in like 2005? It's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss dunk <laughs> contest. But there's just so many, like even like 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 last year, like Obi Toppin did the thing where he was like, or no, it wasn't Obi Toppin. It was uh, Cole Anthony. A couple of years ago, was doing like one of his gimmicks was like he was dunking in Timberlands, which is a great gimmick. But he missed the dunk like three times, and now then once he made the dunk, it's like okay, it was a cool dunk, but like nobody cares because we saw you miss it a bunch. Yeah, like yeah, we get it. Like you grew up in New York City, you want to shout out the city. We like, like, but like, yes, that was uh, that was funny. But yes, that's totally it. I mean, it's like I can remember so many times where it. I was like, damn, like that dunk would have been tight if he had done it on the first try. Like, 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 it, it, there was just been so many of those over the course of the dunk contest, and also the dunks are getting. I the, some of the dunks are still like they're getting better, which is the crazy thing. Like some of these dunks that the guys do now are. Because so they've ridiculous. stopped doing it, because they've stopped relying on props and gimmicks. That was the downfall of the dunk contest for so many years, was everybody was trying to do props. They're like, I'm going to jump the over key, the, the X key, person. Yeah, or or, or, or with the uh, the sponsors of the event, like, we're going to get Blake Griffin to jump over a Kia. Yeah, and I was just talking about that with somebody yesterday, that uh, JaVale McGee and DeVar DeRozan both had way better dunks than Blake did in that dunk contest, but Blake won it because they were filming a Kia commercial. Yes. And it, like, yes, I, I remember this. I, I remember you say that like, cause I mean, you, 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 this was like one of your lanes was like how to fix the dunk contest. Like that used to be one of your, it like, used to be one of my lanes. I don't really care that added, much anymore. Right. I think the, I think the low point was actually last year when Jalen green had the NFT chain. Oh, Remember that? I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, this is also one of my one of my one of my lanes is 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 knowing that that stuff is a scam before anybody else did. But he had a chain, literally on his chain was 
a phone that was playing a top shot of one of his dunks. And he didn't even try to dunk with the chain on. He just came out with the chain on, took the chain off, put it on the table with the judges, and then did a dunk and missed it. And it was like one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen. Yeah, I think that's when I think that was one of the reasons why probably why Bill Simmons had that comment about Jalen Green that yes, viral. Yes, yes, I, I, yes. Th- I think that was probably part of it more so than anything else Jalen Green had done was like I think the dunk contest kind of just rubbed him the wrong the, way. And, uh, like the, and I, I, th- I wonder I wonder how much that dunk contest contributed to the I mean it was gonna crash anyway, but I wonder how much like the top shot uh downward trajectory was because like other people, like people who were like put thousands of dollars into Top Shot and into these NFTs, were just like, ah, eh, we don't want to be associated with this anymore after that dunk attempt. Yeah, speaking of NFTs, the other day I did see Josh Hart was tweeting about uh, some like dog NFT. Or oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's dude. huge. He's a huge NFT. Oh guy. yeah, when he got traded, I-, I remember when he first got traded here last year at the deadline in the CJ trade. Uh, our 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 mutual buddy Seth Allen, the great comedian, listen to the Asheville podcast. Go check out. Uh, uh high note comedy as it's now known that's right. uh actually no seth's not part that's shane and sean jordan but it's like seth has been on it before but like that, that it, it's all part of the same extended cinematic universe of Portland. yeah go comedians. listen to anyway, asheville yes listen to asheville but anyway our 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 buddy seth uh had a tweet like when they traded for josh hart that was like just a screenshot of like him having like one of those apes as the as his avatar and was like this is a bad trade just because he's an nft guy yeah, the 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 the, the juice like the juice thing the the yeah. like yeah. So I I saw him tweeting about like his his, his another one of those other NFT things. So I wonder maybe... if that's contributing to <laughs> just everything that's generally going on. Yeah, I know. Right I'm just now. trying to think of I'm trying to think of which teams would be enticed by that though, because there's got to be some well owners. Dallas, the, Dallas, uh, Sacramento, the Heat, the Heat, obviously formerly known as FTX Arena. Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento, that's right. Vivek uh, was like the first owner to say we're gonna have our team or we're gonna have we're, we're gonna sell tickets in Bitcoin, I think was like they were like the first team to do that. Uh uh there's gotta be there's gotta be others. Uh oh I, you know the the Qualtrics, the uh, the jazz guy, I bet like Ryan Smith. Oh, yes. Like that's like a data harvesting thing all that that he made his money off. I'll bet he's a big NFT guy. Yeah, that 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 would that tracks. That definitely tracks. I, I, half yeah. of the war, half of the Warriors organization has podcasts where they talk about NFTs at this point. So I'll bet they would be down. Yeah, there, there, there's there's no shortage of the, the thing is that that Josh Hart is not a he's not an outlier in the NBA. No, he is not. I, I, it's a it's a very enormous crew of people that are really into that stuff. So uh, <laughs> it, it's not weird at all. So I'm sure he could find some people to bond with on his next team about NFTs and whatnot. I just went back and for for uh, for I forget why, but I was talking to somebody about uh, the Evan Turner and Andre Iguodala podcast, and I went back and found I did not listen to it, but uh, oh, they had Sam Bankman free, yes, didn't they? Yes, they did <laughs> in like August before all this went down, and the title of the podcast was like why the future of crypto is bright with Sam Bankman. It's like, I don't know about that one. I don't know about how well that one's going to age. Yeah. That's what I love about dude. That's, that's the best thing about NBA players getting into podcasting is they, yes, they're immune to being freezing cold taked. <laughs> did you, did you see CJ? I did not listen to it, but did you see the CJ is on uh Dream on greens podcast today? No, the new media. 
doing it's the new media summit the new media summit dude i love how the new media came out and then like the new media was exactly like the old media well the the best part was this the best one of those was this summer when uh draymond was talking about like oh the new media we're gonna you know do things the way the old media never did it and then he spent like the whole summer arguing about whether the the warriors would beat the 90s bulls which is something that every single media outlet has talked about for 10 years or whatever yeah, it's the same shit that they were doing this morning it's on so first bad. take because there's, so there's no football there's no football to talk about right now on first take. So they were doing they were running back Dan Orlovsky's top five quarterbacks today. Like it's like and, and that's exactly what Draymond was doing instead I, of like talking about you know w- other shit or like I like giving the- us insight on on giving us insights that would be interesting from his perspective that the old media can't do instead of just doing the same stuff that the old media always does. I liked his podcast during the playoffs last year when he went guest-free and would just be breaking down all of the playoff games yes. and talking about strategy. and t- like He's incredible at that stuff. When he tries to get into, like, the narrative stuff and just like all this other stuff he just he just becomes like just another analyst but when he when he's just like talking about the game and breaking down strategy he's like unbelievable at that yeah well and he sees the game as well as anybody sees it and so uh yeah no i loved his breakdowns after each series that they would do like i remember he talked like uh the denver one i remember he talked about how much of a problem it is to guard Jokic. yeah and, and 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 stuff like that and yeah, no, that that stuff is great, and it's like, and then also like he's got, and then also the, he pisses off his own fans when he starts talking about how great LeBron is and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I like, I like. No, the, it's like nobody's happy. It seems like with with and let, with the Draymond pod, except for, and now Bob Myers has a podcast, the general manager. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, mean, I was I, just, I was joking. I have a friend who covers the Warriors, and I was joking with her the other day that like, like ninety percent of her job now is listening to podcasts hosted by people on the warriors for work purposes dude i would hate that like like you have to do your normal job and also you gotta listen to like the bob myers show the bob myers show for an hour and a half where they talk about you know whatever like (laughs) and and, and also like people are gonna be but people will be trying to like listen to that like read the tea leaves like because that you know the the articles about like how he might be on his way out and how the podcast is like right one of the ways that he's becoming more than an executive right and 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 etc like and and it i don't know man like i gotta be honest even when cj was i'm not listening I i never listened to his podcast to cj's podcast no even when he was here I didn't either. Um, well, I mean, he had. I, I I liked one of his gimmicks that he would uh, name the <laughs> Mario. <laughs> our producer, our producer Mario, is chiming in in the in the in the chat, and uh... <laughs> yeah, the only the gimmick of that that I liked that he named each episode after an NBA player or a or a, an athlete or something, but uh-huh. number. But yeah. then, but like, yeah, the rest of it was like, I don't even know, like, what the, it. I mean. He, there was nothing interesting there. And the it's best, like, the best I, player yeah. podcasts are the ones where it's former players talking to other former players. Like I love knuckleheads, the Darius miles, Quentin Richardson one, when they just have other former players on and just go through their careers or like all the smoke when they have like, like one of the best, all the smoke episodes was when they was when Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, like, I think this was during COVID they brought in Penny Hardaway and just talked about his whole career. And it was like the best thing ever. No, that yeah. type of, that type of stuff is great. And I think like, 
former players talking with other former players about their career in a way that like they can all relate to each other that stuff is really valuable when it's like current players having a podcast thinking about i mean bomani talks about this all the time with they're not more, trying to piss off dudes that they work with well right they're not trying to piss off dudes that they work with but also like former like like current play you know bomani you know, the other thing bomani and like dominique talk about is that like people who say you know the players say like oh well, you never played the game you can't talk about the nba then they get into somebody else's line of work when they haven't like gone you know had the training or had the experience and think they can just do it and they can't a lot of the time yeah it, it's it's it, it, it is what it is i mean it's just yeah. it, it's look as media people like as people who create content our lives are full with people that think they could do the job that we do better than we do. And, and even though they've never done it, like that's like, th that's just a real thing. So like, I, I get where, and that's just, it's not just athletes that think that it's everybody thinks that. So uh, it's that they have podcasts is not that unique, uh, but it is, I think an interesting thing in the league where it's like, I mean, it seems like every team has someone that has a podcast on it now like i, I, I portland mean, not, doesn't now they Port, portland doesn't now but like you got the lakers have patrick beverly has a podcast now oh, uh golden state's got multiple podcasts uh I, jj reddick used to have a podcast danny he, green has one yeah. he just played by the way that was good to see danny green actually play again last night for the grizzlies going back to that game to playing this full circle it was yes. good to see him back yeah good to see danny green you know he had to do it to him one time. <laughs> if you will. If you will. <laughs> I think that's a good probably place to wrap it up. We'll do, we'll do this again. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how we got off onto that player podcast tangent, but this is this is just what we do. You guys know it yeah. by now. But uh, and we're well, I guess we were trying to avoid talking about the trade deadline too. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 do this again next week after the trade deadline when we actually have stuff that the Blazers did or did not do to talk about. I think that's going to be the next time we do one of these. Like, I think what's going to happen after the deadline is I'll bring you, that's probably going to be like a multiple podcasts over a few days situation. I'm going to bring you in and we're just going to talk generally about what the Blazers do or don't do and just kind of an overview. And then whoever they trade, they do something with, I will get somebody who covers those teams or that team or however many teams it is and do kind of that sort of breaking it down from both sides type of deal as well. But we will, we will do something after the deadline for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you might be booking yourself a lot of guests depending on. What, I think what that's, I think a lot gotta, of people are going to be booking themselves a lot of guests on various programs. Yeah, Cause I, cause I think realistically, like, I mean, one, one more. That's also that's, right before the Super Bowl too. God. So like people right are before gonna... the, Yeah. Right before the Super Bowl uh right for all-star like yeah I mean, I, I, this is going to be a lot of things happening and there's going to be and i think i mean if portland does something i think it's going to be of the like three to four team variety because of their uh draft situation yes uh they don't they can't trade multiple draft picks at the moment they so can't I trade any draft picks at they, the moment. yeah they basically they have a couple of second rounders they can trade but no they can't trade a first unless they unprotect the chicago one which they're so close to being on the bubble of missing the play in that i don't think they would they're not going to do it they, they're not going to do it this year when when if they maybe if they miss the playoffs it's the webby year they're not gonna they're not gonna yes. unprotect that pick but i think I think they can. I think they have stuff that other teams like that they can get involved with in a three to four team scenario, 
to do something. And I think that is is I think potentially where they're I think if and I had to also bet, like you had the thing if you I had to, to bet on the vehicle of how they're gonna do a trade, that would be what I would bet on. Well, it multiple also just might be trades. multiple it might just be multiple trades, because remember, like and sure. this is where you have to remember that for years under Neil Olshay, Joe Cronin was the cap guy, and he's the one that kind of sees the whole chessboard with this kind of stuff. Because remember, they they actually did three trades last year at the deadline. They had the CJ trade with New Orleans. They had the Rocco Norm trade with the Clippers. And then they had that other one where they got like Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the New Orleans trade and Tomas Sadoransky and traded them to Utah and got back Joe Ingles and did some... And that was like purely uh we need to make the money work and we need to like get some trade exceptions. They like... Like, there's going to be whatever they do with Nurk, whatever they do with Josh, and then I could totally see them just doing some other, like, send out Greg Brown for a trade exception and get a second-round pick and just do something else to, like, do something with the books or something like that that's totally under the radar. I don't know. Like, I could see Joe doing something like that in addition to the stuff that we're already talking about. Right. And, they, I mean, they've been sending Greg Brown to the G League to, yeah. to, get, to get minutes lately, which also could have been a way to, like, maybe showcase him a little bit. I, I could see that, yeah. I, to, to, to other teams because I a only bring like him Dion, up. he's no way he's going to play for these I guys. only bring him up because out of the guys that are quote-unquote out of the rotation and are like the minimum guys, he's the only one that I think they would not be losing sleep over moving because Trent and Watford, they really like. Javari Walker, they really like. And Greg Brown, like people, like he's like the best vibes guy on the yeah, team. Everyone loves Greg Brown. He's a great dude. And he has, uh, have I, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast yet, but like the, one of the first few games that, you know, you know what it was? It was one of the two Dallas games. This, this is what we'll go out on because I know we got to wrap soon, but one of the two Dallas games, I think it was the, it was the, so it was the first Dallas game because they played Dallas on back-to-back nights a few weeks ago. And the first one of those nights, like, the team was doing, like, Asian Heritage Night as, like, the, as like the you know, the promotion for that game. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they did was they had all of the players be read nicknames that were given to them by fans in China and react to them and see if they like them or not. Uh-huh. And the one that they gave to Gary Payton II was Handcuffs. Which is a phenomenal nickname because A, that's what he does on defense, and B, his number is double zero, so it like visually looks like handcuffs. Yes. And so that was the night of the first Dallas game. The second night, like literally the next night, like twenty four hours later, I was I was there early. I was on the board or I was I was I was out, you know, on the bowl watching, you know, guys warm up or whatever. Gary was out there and Gary was actually doing his pregame interview with Brooke or like whatever for whatever for whatever they were doing for the broadcast. Like Brooke was out there talking to him. Or talking to Brooke, and like uh, talking. You, you guys know what I mean, sorry, but like yes. they were doing an interview, and Greg Brown, like while Gary is in the middle of doing his interview with Brooke, like on camera, goes over and like holds that. And, and the the context that people have to know is that Greg Brown has a different handshake that's coordinated with every guy on the team. Like that's his that's his 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 vibe. Or that's his role on the team. And so he goes he's a, up. He's a chemist. He's a chemist. He's the vibesman. Yeah. And so he goes up to Gary while he's in the middle of doing his interview with Brooke and just holds out his wrists and, like, they touch their, like, the back of their wrists like they're handcuffs. And, like, as Greg is walking off the floor, I'm like, did you just come up with that now off of the handcuffs thing? And he's like, yeah. So, like, like he, like, within 24 hours, just off of, like, a video board promotion during the game, Greg Brown has already come up with a new handshake uh, promo or, like, a new handshake, like, thing with one of his teammates. Like, that, that's the Greg Brown. That's, that's what he brings to a team. 
Hell yeah. Just and, great vibes. And, and he has incredible bounce, but we yes. don't really we don't really get to see that no that much. That's why know. that's the only reason because I think he's out of the like end of the bench guys. He's the one that I don't think they view as like somebody that is gonna be on the team for years and have like a real like like he's he's an end of bench guy. He's a vibesman. Mm-hmm. And he's a great guy. Like I don't I, I hope he has a good career. I just if there's anybody that they would, you know, do something, Joe would do something smaller like that with to, to cut money or to make something work with the salary cap or whatever the case may be, I think it would be him, is all I'm saying. Yeah. And on that note, we will be back after the trade deadline when we can actually talk about this stuff not in hypothetical terms. So, Eric, thanks for doing this, as always. Of course, my pleasure.